What's news this week? McDavid returned to the Oilers lineup on Tuesday night against Columbus Blue Jackets after missing 37 games. The jihadists have adapted to hit-and-run tactics after being largely contained for the last year by a coalition. A private jet from Miami or something like that from his bachelor party. Hmm. Then he drove home from the airport to his home and that's when the crash happened. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Today is February 6th. 2016. My name is Zachary Camp. I'm Nick Kenya. Welcome to the show, guys. Uh, it's great to be here. We got another great lineup for you with our news and review program. We're going to be talking about all the trials that have been going on in the trials. city of Toronto, the Frasillo case. We're going to have an update for you. We have the Gian Gomeshi trial. And we have a Marco Muto trial as well. And then we're going to move it out to a little bit of international news. We're going to be talking about Boko Haram and what they've been up to in Nigeria in the past week. And then we're going to move it on to a story about genetic preferences. The UK has approved technology that could alter uh, human embryos' DNA. And in sports, we have the return of Connor McDavid. What a return it was. We have another Maple Leafs Week report and a Raptors Weekly report. And then at the end of the show, we're going to be bringing you an exclusive interview with former CTV news anchor Bill Hutchison. Uh, we were able to sit down with him last week and ask him a few questions about what it was like working at a Toronto studio for 27 years and kind of get a state of the media industry. So stay tuned to the end of the podcast where we'll have a few minutes of what Bill had to say. So right off the top, the Constable Forsillo trial. Late last month, jurors for the trial of James Forsillo ended almost two and a half years of speculation. The verdict found Constable Forsillo not guilty of second-degree murder and not guilty of manslaughter, but guilty of attempted murder. The verdict confused just about everyone following the case and has affected the public trust with the Toronto Police Service. The shooting death of Semi Atim in July of 2013 progressed into a referendum on the use of force by police officers in Canada. It was the first case in Canadian history where a police officer was charged with murder and proceeded to court. The case failed to answer concerns over what is justifiable use of force for police officers in Canada. Fursillo's lawyer has asked the judge to stay the charge of attempted murder, citing the officer was just following his training. The mandatory minimum for a charge of attempted murder in Canada is four years in prison. The trial of former CBC radio host John Gomeshi began Monday. Gomeshi is facing four counts of sexual assault and one count of overcoming resistance by choking, which he has pleaded not guilty to. The controversy around Gomeshi surfaced on October 24th, 2014, when the CBC first said he was taking time off from his duties, quote, to deal with some personal issues, end quote. Two days later, the CBC said it had cut ties with the popular host. Eight women came forward to the star with accusations of violence, sexual abuse, or harassment by Gomeshi. 29-year-old Marco Muzzo was also put on trial this week, accused of causing the September 27th crash in Vaughan, which killed 9-year-old Daniel, 5-year-old Harrison, and 2-year-old Millie Neville Lake, along with their 65-year-old grandfather, Gary Neville. Muto pleaded guilty to four charges of impaired driving causing death along with two charges of impaired driving causing bodily harm. Muto was released on a million dollars bail until his next court appearance on February 23rd. 
The charge of impaired driving causing death carries a maximum sentence of life in prison, while bodily harm has a maximum of 10 years. Four accounts of impaired driving? Yeah, it, I mean, it killed three little children, plus their grandfather, plus the driver was the mother or something like that, and Mm. the grandmother was in the passenger seat. They were injured, so that's where the, the bodily harm comes from. He was above the legal limit like three times the amount or something like that um the story goes that he came off uh a jet a private jet from miami or something like that from his bachelor party Hmm. then he drove home from the airport to his home and that's when the crash happened Hmm. and um police said that he looked kind of dazed and he looked like glossy eyed and you can smell the alcohol off yeah. his breath. And uh Mutso family is a high profile family because they own a couple of um housing uh building houses and stuff like that. Yeah, so like the developers. Yeah. Yeah. So they own two of them. All right. So you cool if I move it on? Book around. Yeah. So let's turn to an international news story now. On Saturday, the Islamic terrorist group Boko Haram attacked the northern Nigerian village of Delori. The attackers burnt homes and cattle and left 85 civilians dead. The jihadists have adapted to hit-and-run tactics after being largely contained for the last year by a coalition led by the Nigerian military. Now, it's estimated that over 100 insurgents were involved in the attack that occurred just five miles from the military's headquarters. Within the last two months, a former Nigerian national security advisor and an ex-minister of defense have been arrested and charged with embezzlement of funds intended to combat Boko Haram. This comes after last year's election of Muhammadu Bahari, a former Nigerian military leader and head of state from 1984 to 1985, who campaigned on eliminating corruption and wiping out Boko Haram. So Nick, if you could choose what your child looks like, what attributes would they have? What they look like, probably maybe brown hair with blue eyes. Okay. All right. So not you wouldn't want your kids to look exactly like you, not a carbon coffee. No, not exactly. Because that's something you might be able to choose in the future. Really? Yeah. For the first time, technology to permanently change human DNA in an embryo has been approved. In the United Kingdom, the Human Fertilization and Embryo Authority approved work by a team of scientists that will attempt to edit out parts of genetic material that would prevent an embryo from developing properly. It's a long way off from eliminating diseases passed on through genes or creating superhumans designed to excel at specific tasks. The altered embryos would only be allowed to survive for 14 days, and the approval for research restricts these altered embryos from being implanted into a human womb. What makes this new technology so groundbreaking is that it allows scientists to alter genes much earlier in an embryo's development than ever before, and results in the next generation of cells carrying on these alterations. This type of gene alteration is currently restricted in the United States, but in 2009, President Obama lifted the ban on embryo-based research, and right now, privately funded research is left unregulated. Nick. Tell us a little bit about what's going on in the NHL. I heard there's some big news coming out on a few of the stars. Big news uh, this week with the return of Connor McDavid. The wait is finally over for the rookie phenom. McDavid returned to the Oilers lineup on Tuesday night 
against Columbus Blue Jackets after missing 37 games because of a broken collarbone. His impact was immediate as Connor McDavid put up two assists along with a spectacular goal. To Everly. Everly pushes it ahead. Here is McDavid. McDavid trying to split the defense. McDavid, what a play! What a goal! Oh my! Connor McDavid, welcome back! On Thursday, McDavid and the Oilers were in Ottawa to face the Senators. It was a 7-2 win for the Oilers as McDavid picked up another two, two assists. In his first two games back, McDavid had a total of five points, which is amazing. And he is now back in the talk for Rookie of the Year. <sighs> to the Maple Leafs weekly report. Coming out of the All-Star festivities, the Maple Leafs were in Boston to face the Bruins. With the game tied at ones in the third, the Bruins strike. Pasternak centers it. Off the sideboard. Crazy sends it back in front. Score! Brad Marchand's got two, and the Bruins lead 2-1. to one. Before they could even announce Marchand's goal, the Bruins potted another. That made it 31 in a matter of 26 seconds. The Leafs storm back though with two goals of their own. Leo Komarov with his 17th and Nazem Kadri with his 11th and it was all tied heading into OT. In the extra frame, the Maple Leafs completed the comeback with a goal from P.A. Parento to win it. Thursday night, the Leafs were back at home hosting the New Jersey Devils. It was a special night as it marked the 40th anniversary of Daryl Sittler's 10-point game against the Boston Bruins. In the first, Jacob Josephson opened the scoring for the Leafs, but Sean Mathias had the Leafs back on level terms with his fifth this season. In the third, the Devils took the lead with a goal from David Schlemko. Markham native Joseph Blandese earned an assist on the play as this game was a little bit of a homecoming for him. With just 2.06 left in the game and the goalie pulled, the Leafs tied it up. Here's a quick shot, scores! Tyler Bozak ties the game! The game went into a shootout where P.A. Parento scored, which put the pressure on the Devils. Stemniak against Reimer. Reimer makes the stop and that is it. Toronto comes back. The Maple Leafs are in Ottawa tonight. Puck drop is at 7. <sighs> now to Raptors weekly report. Monday started the Raptors six game road trip starting in Denver. The Raps fell to the Nuggets 112-93 which snapped their franchise best 11 game winning streak. Toronto was back at it against the Phoenix Suns. DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry combined for 48 points in a 104-97 win. The most impressive win in the week for the Raptors was against Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers. Again, the Raptors got great production from Lowry and DeRozan, 30 from Kyle and 29 from DeMar, which cancelled out Lillard's double-double of 27 points and 11 assists in a 110-103 win. Toronto's next game is Monday when they face the Detroit Pistons. Now let's talk about the biggest sporting event in the world. The big, bigger, what is, okay. Or maybe in North America. All right, because when you're talking the about the Super, Super Bowl, Bowl, obviously, how many people in France care about the Super that Bowl? That is true, that is true. <laughs> maybe in the UK, because they've, they've moved a couple games there. Yeah, but those haven't been very successful, have they? 
Um, they're pretty packed. They're thinking about really. Uh, they're actually thinking about mo- the um, expanding to England. I I remember that. Yeah, that they're thinking about putting crazy. a team in Hawaii and a team in yeah. England. Right? Yeah. Like that's. I don't really know if that's feasible. Mm-hmm. Having teams have to play on a regular weekly schedule. Yeah, that's. And you have to fly. Exactly. Exhibition games make sense. But at the same time, like the NFL is looking at it as a way of like, well, we have exhibition games in North America and America already. We know we can make money there. We're taking money out of it. Like it's a risk to go over to the UK. Yeah. Sorry. I just hijacked the story. But what do you want to talk about with the Super Bowl, Nick? What do you like? Sure. It's the Super Bowl. It happens every year. What's the big deal? I'm not. I'm not into it. It's not for me. You're not into it. No. You're not going to watch I very rarely watch the Super Bowl. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It's the culmination of a sports league that I do not pay attention to Uh, at all in the regular season. I I understand now. But I think this one's going to be a great game. For one, it's not the Seahawks, which I, I don't like the Seahawks. I'm a Niners fan, so I hate the Seahawks. Okay, fine then. And for two, it's not Tom Brady. Like, we have someone new. We have Cam Newton who's been actually quite a superstar with his dancing, with his dabs. <laughs> I heard he's, yeah, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and yeah. he's uh, African-American as well, which is, yeah. that's rare to see, right? Like, there's not very many yeah. black quarterbacks. Yeah. And uh, Peyton Manning, is this the last game that he plays Oh, yeah, that's true. Like, he's like the oldest dude in the NFL right now. I think he's like 39 or 40. That's kind of old, mm-hmm. for, especially at quarterback. But... Um, I'm kind of torn on who I'm cheering for here. I like Cam Newton. I like the Panthers. I like what they bring. They bring a lot of personality and energy. That's Cam Newton, right? Yeah. Like, that's his style. Yeah. And then on the other side, you have Peyton Manning. And I, I want to see him go out, ride off into the sunset with another <laughs> Super Bowl. Okay. Yeah. You're a big Peyton fan. I'm, I, I wouldn't say I'm a big Peyton fan. I just... I kind of cheer for the like the lovey-dovey, fluffy well, stories. I'm on 538.com right now. It's Nate Silver's yep. website. A lot of statistical reporting. And he has predicted the Carolina Panthers at 59% chance of winning the Super Bowl to Denver's 41% chance. Okay. You might not get that wish of Manning riding off into the sunset. You know what? I'm cool with, with both. I'm cool with... Both. I know that's kind of staying on the fence. Yeah, but it is. Pick a side. Right. How can I? How can we make bets about the Super Bowl if you're not willing to pick a side? Hey, prop I bets. Just, you just want to see a good game, right? Yes, I do. Yes, yeah. yeah. That's what I want the most. I don't want a blowout. No. 41 to 13? No. no, I do not want that. It's going to be really interesting to see those two different styles of play yep. match up. Yep. That's as not really a fan of football, but... That's something that pulls me, and that's something that makes me interested in the game. Yeah. That makes me want to watch a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it should be a great game come Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> to end the show today, we've got a special interview for you guys. He was the CTV news anchor for 27 years here in Toronto. We had a chance to sit down with him and ask him a few questions about what it was like having such a long career in television news. And basically what we wanted to know as well is the state of journalism and how 
he sees uh, the future of journalism. He had some really interesting things to say to us about how technology has progressed over the years. And like you said, in the future, what that technology for delivering news is going to look like down the road. So let's take a look at our conversation with Bill Hutchison. Local television is, is suffering. Uh, it is, uh, the, the audience is disappearing. Um, I watched the numbers on CTV and we're, CTV was still number one by a country mile over the competition, but the numbers were declining year over year, and they've been doing that for a long time. So there is a problem there, because folks in your generation are not hooking up to cable. They're not necessarily watching. They're not getting their news from six o'clock. They're getting it on news apps on their phone. So that's a challenge. Uh, in the city of Toronto, I think you will continue to have local news for a good long while. I don't think that's going to disappear because there's enough of an audience here to support it. There's enough advertising here to support it. But you go to places like Regina or Saskatoon or even smaller places like Red Deer or Lethbridge, how much longer can they support a television station? You're going to see more regional broadcasts. Mm -hmm. There's lots of uh, small uh, hyper-local uh, websites and apps uh, being developed. And they're being done on shoestrings. Sometimes Indiegogo uh, will fund them. You know, somebody will say, "Listen, hey, you know, people in Guelph, uh, we need hundred thousand dollars, fifty thousand dollars to start up this local news coverage, and we will bring the, the city to you." And they they'll, they'll get that kind of support. Um, yeah, there are there are small organizations being started up. There are also bigger organizations, though. Uh, Josh Topolsky, who was at the the Verge uh, recently has just left there to start up a new media company and it's going to be online news, it's going to be video, podcasts and blogs. John uh, Steinberg, uh, just who was one of the uh, guys who ran BuzzFeed, has just left there to start up uh, again a new media company and it's going to be finance and business news aimed at millennials because he thinks that's an underserved market. So there are people who are starting up new media companies. They will not necessarily be Rogers and Bell Media but there'll be a lot of smaller companies and there are hundreds and thousands of them popping up all over the place. They won't all survive, but enough will because I think there's still a demand out there and people still need to know what's going on. There is a, a danger with, with local news that they're trying to chase a different audience. They're trying to be online on television and you can't do that. They, they see YouTube, YouTube videos that have gone viral and say, oh, we've got to put that on our newscast. To me, that is backwards, completely backwards. You should be generating news stories that are so compelling, they're being posted on YouTube, they're being shared on Facebook. That's where the future, if you want to hang on to, you, to an audience, and, uh, is going to be. So what is it about local news stations though, like a Toronto CTV local station that can cover a facility trial in a way that the national coverage can't? Well the national coverage can to some extent, but they won't cover it day in day out the way local news will. And it is something that a lot of people in Toronto care about. And National will drop in for the beginning of the trial. National will drop in for the end of the trial. They may show up for the odd day that's compelling testimony. But local news will be there day in, day out. And they will cover it more completely. And for people who care about that, that's important. Nobody really knows exactly what it's going to look like in five years from now. Nobody five years ago could have said it's, it's going to look like what it does today. Uh, technology changes so quickly. Um, that the medium will continue to change. Um, 
I don't know what it'll look like in five years, but I think there'll still be a newscast there, local newscast. Um, may may not may not be all of the six o'clock newscast, but but CTV Toronto will still be there. Um, CBC will probably still be there. So right there is a taste of what Bill Hutchison had to say in our interview with him. If you want to check out the full interview, we're going to release that as its own separate podcast so you can take a look at the full interview with Bill. That does it for this edition of What's News This Week. Thank you for coming and joining us again. We always have such a good time preparing the news in a weekend review show for you guys. And if you think someone you know needs to know what's news this week, share the podcast with them. You can find us on iTunes and SoundCloud, and you can also find us on Twitter. My handle is at the campwire. And I'm at Canyon Nick, and our next show will be February 13th. Thanks for listening. See you next week.